Welcome to the Live Your Purpose podcast. This show is created to help overwhelmed moms rediscover peace and purpose in their everyday lives. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the show. So I want to share with you something that has been on my mind a lot lately, and it's kind of confusing, so I'm going to try to explain it as best as I can. But something I've been thinking about a lot lately is how sometimes the foundations of our thoughts and the foundations of our confidence and how we identify are actually projections from other people and very likely other people's confidence or other people's insecurities that we happen to take on as our own just because they're familiar, just because it's a situation that we're around that we just kind of get absorbed in. So it's not necessarily innate to us. It's something that because we're surrounded by other people's thoughts or insecurities or their successes, we ultimately take that on as our own and we begin identifying with it. So we take these projections And we start trying to better ourselves. We set big goals for ourselves. And yet when we accomplish these goals, it oftentimes doesn't feel as fulfilling as what we once thought it would. So we keep searching for happiness. But it feels like we're continually coming up empty. We cycle through this searching for happiness and we keep coming up short And we think that there's something wrong with us. Like, why am I not good enough? Why can I not do this? Why can I not reach this goal? Or why was this goal not as exciting as I hoped? We strive to achieve the (laughs) unattainable, just chasing after what we think will make us happy, trying to accomplish more, have more, be more, all while continuing to just feel empty. So I say all that because that's been on my heart a lot lately, and today I'm sharing with you a conversation I had with my social media friend, Jen Golbranson. Jen is an author and a podcast host, in addition to so many other things. If you ask her what she does, she just says that she's a perpetual day drinker. She is a riot. You will love her, especially if you also have a spunky personality, but she and I have followed each other on social media for several years, and I have always been a super fan of hers. It turns out that she actually listens to my podcast as well. So after episode 10, which was at what cost, she asked me to do an episode for her podcast, but our conversation was just so, so good that I wanted to use it for my show as well. We seriously could have talked for hours, but we actually covered a lot in this one episode. We wanted to have an honest conversation about how chasing happiness will lead to a life of unhappiness. And we talk about learning to be content with who you are and where you are in life and just giving yourself permission to be imperfect. So here is my incredible episode with my friend, Jen Goldbranson. I just think that you, I love your message. And, um, one of, and I really wanted to reach out and and connect with you because your podcast that you had, you had it titled at what cost on Uh your, um, live your purpose podcast. So why don't we talk about what that episode was about and kind of walk us through it? Sure thing. So gosh, just over the last year, I've really been working through why certain things aren't, um, as rewarding as I hoped or why they aren't as validating as, as I wanted. 
so for example, I, when I turned 30, I wanted to run 30 miles on my 30th birthday. That's kind of a trend that a lot of runners do. And so I thought, because I like to run, I wanted to do it too. But really internally, I never expressed this to anyone. I think because I didn't even realize it until afterwards that I, I didn't even care about turning 30 is more like what society always says apparently happens to you when you turn 30 that I thought turning 30 would be more worth celebrating if I started it with the bang of running 30 miles for my 30th birthday, Mm -hmm. which was really so stupid because it was so miserable. I hated almost every step. And so really at that point, I kind of started questioning just a lot of things, a lot of areas um, of my life. And just using this as an example, what I, what I came to understand about myself and the way my brain processes, and this was a couple months after my birthday, was that I'm a really big goal setter, but a lot of it is at the sacrifice of other aspects of my life. So while I was training for this 30 miles for my 30th birthday, I lost um, a lot of my social life. It took a huge toll on my body that took several months to recover from. And really at the end of it, I, I didn't gain anything except for bragging rights, but really I wasn't even proud to say I ran 30 miles because it hurt so bad that people thought I was crazy. And I knew I was crazy because I'd pushed through, you know, such pain just to say, Hey, I ran 30 miles for my 30th birthday when most, most people didn't care. It was really more for myself. And I just thought at what cost did I lose my mental health, my emotional health, my physical health in order to say, Hey, I ran 30 miles. No one cares. So (laughs) I just really had to question a lot. And so I use that example in that podcast, but I think it's applicable in a lot of areas of life that every single, almost every single decision that we make every day, we don't even notice that we're figuring out at what cost. Yeah, we could eat this, but at what cost? Or yeah, we could enter a relation into a relationship with this certain person, but at what cost? Or we could continue a friendship that we know isn't healthy for us, but at what cost? No, what I really, what really, and even as you recapped it, what really resonated with with what you said, it resonated with me in the fact that we become so married to the plan mm-hmm. that we feel like to deviate from the plan and. Um, we might have talked up the plan. We might have made it public for accountability's sake. We, we become so attached to the plan rather than the process. And yes. for me, being a white-knuckle control freak like I am, totally resonates with me that I have, up until the last couple of years, been the champion of the two-year plan. Like, mm-hmm. it will, and I will suffer through If I set a goal, I will. And when I was in my you know, early 30s and running a lot, I ran the Chicago Marathon on a torn hip labrum because Uh I had committed to running that stupid race. And at what cost? Well, I'm basically limited in what I can do now physically because of that stupid injury. And nobody would have thought me a terrible person if I had been like, I'm injured. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. But you become, the plan somehow becomes your identity. And, and, And I, um, you know, having relationships with people who are very in the moment. And it's hard for people who, because you're conditioned your whole life to 
to complete the, the journey, to complete the plan. It doesn't matter. And, you know, but then it becomes the suffering Olympics. Then you become the, the gold medal martyr winner of, you know, 30 miles on your 30th birthday. And I'm turning 40 in a couple of months and I'm doing a 40 K for my 40th birthday, but it's mm-hmm. a completely different philosophy then yeah. I didn't do 30 on my 30 because I was pregnant, but I did for every other birthday do those miles. And it's so different now because I'm not physically able to train like I would normally train. But now it's just about like having fun doing it, ringing it because I do love fitness and I do love running. It's about the love of it rather than, let's face it, bragging on social media about it. Yeah, completely. <laughs> I love that you say that like the plan becomes our identity. I think that, I know, especially women, but I think the same is probably, I think it's probably the same for men too, but speaking from a a female's perspective, we are trained up in the idea that we need to have it all together in every aspect of life. And, um, even, even the fact that we are taught smart goals that they, I mean, SMRT, they all stand for something. Um, but that the, those are the best kind of goals. Those are the most valid kind of goals. And um, so when I, you know, came to this realization at what cost, I just said, screw all the smart goals. I don't care. I'm going to learn to be content with myself and who I am. And so I'm a product of what I like to call the diet culture, where I, I was on a diet in fifth grade and was off and on, I mean, throughout really my whole life. <laughs> insert, you know, why running became such an important part of my life. But when I stepped away from that plan of the diet, I thought I was such a failure because I had eaten one too many Oreos or because I had gone over my points that day or because I ran out of macros in, you know, a certain area. And I just, I hated myself. I just became really mean to myself, my own inner critic, inner bully, Um, and at what cost, like just to lose two more pounds that no one else is even going to notice. So it just, and I, when it becomes, when a goal, any kind of goal in any area of life is set to better that a a certain area, make sure it's not at the loss of other areas. So I love that you're going to do a 40 K for your 40th. I think that's amazing. And I love that you are dedicated to just enjoying the process because that's what's so important about life. Like I always say, you never know when you're a week away from your own funeral. And so if you yes, are enjoying dude. it, yeah, if you are enjoying every day because you are so scared to step away from this plan, you may only have one day left. Right. Who cares? You know, like, for example, this is so funny, but I would rather my last meal be cookie dough rather than a salad. So I'm not going to kill myself or get mad at myself for wanting and eating cookie dough over a salad because it's, it goes against my plan of weight loss or my plan to get my beach body back or whatever. It's just not worth it to me. And nobody thinks about you as much as you think about you. Oh, totally. (laughs) Totally. And if they do, shame on that person. Like, (laughs) use that mental energy. Get a job. Get a hobby. (laughs) Right. Yes, exactly. And, and, you know, I I think that giving yourself permission to be imperfect, we get so um, obsessed with, like, it seems like a, a woman's value has always been 
the, her ability to check all of the boxes, how many uh-huh. plates she can spin, doing oh, all of the things, being all things to all people. You have to have it. I mean, and that's kind of from our mother's culture is you uh-huh. have to have it all. And then, and I, you know, I got caught up in it until I just got exhausted. And it's just like, you have to give yourself permission to be imperfect because again, nobody thinks about you as much as you think about you. Right. So, and you have to, and it's so funny that other women put pressure on each other and put each other, you know, on us and everything that there's no margin for error. There's no margin for deviating from that. I mean, think about how women pick each other apart on social media. Oh my like, God. You know, they call each other skinny fat. I mean, it, it's it's kind of that hive mind and having the strength to step away from that and say, you know what? I don't want to participate in it. I don't want to have other people define me outside looking in. And I got the best advice. Whenever you feel those, those thoughts coming in, there's like a few words you can say to yourself. Like, okay, I went over my macros today, had a bottle of wine and destroyed a bag of chips. <laughs> like just as a, not like right now, but like, like in general, like say that happened, right? Normally, or more often than not, we'd flog ourselves over it. We'd be like, oh, I'm disgusting. Oh, gross. You know, or we'd start bargaining with each with ourselves and be like, oh, you know, I'll go. I'll be really good tomorrow. It's fine. We'll reset. Uh-huh. And yeah. then just what if you said to yourself and or you said the other word that so. Uh-huh. So what really happens? I gained two water, two pounds of water weight. Nobody's going to know about but me. Right. Yeah. Who, or the other thing to say is, who cares? YOLO. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cheers. Good for you. I know my husband is so funny. He's my biggest supporter in every way. Like when I have, like when I wanted to run my 30 miles, he didn't understand it. But he was my biggest cheerleader. Or whenever I did throw down a bottle of wine and lots of chips and cookie dough and, you know, whatever else I wanted to eat, he just is my biggest supporter. And he says, well, good. Like, glad you're doing what makes you happy. You know? So. I love that. But I love when you're talking about um, being all things to all people and we have no no room for error. We don't give ourselves grace. A lot of that, I think, comes from, like you're saying, like our parents' generation. I think they met really well. But I know from what I've seen from my own perspective, from a lot of clients that I work with, what it is is that that generation, our parents' generation, wanted to be good. They wanted to be perfect. They wanted to be all things to all people. And because of that, their insecurities came out and we saw their insecurities and how hard they tried and how they were never in their own minds good enough, even though they tried as hard as as they could. The baby boomers, not, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but the baby boomers, the self-loathing, think of how hardcore our parents and even our grandparents, the women dieted. Think of all of those lose 20 pounds in 10 days in women's world that they, they did the cabbage soup diet. Like, Uh and how they kind of hoisted that value onto us that, Uh you know, thin and pretty girls are the happiest girls Uh and your, your value, your worth was judged by, um, your outward appearance because they were so wildly insecure about it. The men, the men brought their own baggage to the game in, you know, the men from that were born in the fifties and the early sixties. They had the, um, they had to, you know, keep up with the Joneses. That's where that whole thing came from. Like our grandparents' generation, because they were in the Great Depression, didn't really have that, you know, measuring stick because they got through a horrible thing together. But then the next generation, it was one-upping, one-upping. So we got that, you know, Gen X, Gen Y, later millennials, 
we got that baggage and we're trying to undo it at the same time, but we still have that crushing judgment of those previous generations on top yes. of us. Yeah, totally. Because the foundation, our foundation was absorbing projections from other people's insecurities. Just because someone's mom thought they weren't good enough, they wanted us to be good enough, but then it it just, it was just very confusing. Like going back again to my diet culture, the women around me were constantly talking about how big they were, how fat they were, how they needed to go on a diet or whatever. And I thought, you don't really like myself either. So, I mean, I guess, I guess I should too, like rather than learning to be content with who I am and the fact that, like I said, I first went on a diet like in fifth grade. So as a fifth grader whose body was still changing, cutting out calories is not what I needed to be doing. And in that, in that situation, there's other ways to approach that issue. Mm-hmm. But instead, what I took on is I'm fat, I'm not good enough, my body looks different, and I became really, really insecure, and it set myself up for years of disordered eating and all kinds of things, all kinds of mental issues, and um, all because it was someone else's insecurity that I just took on as my own. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing that I've started doing in the last couple of years, because I grew up in the same, a similar diet culture because I was a figure skater and I'm, a, a, you know, they always called me giraffe feet tall. I'm, I'm not the figure skating body. And even when I was nine years old, my coach, who was my coach my whole life, you know, took my mom aside and was like, maybe speed skating, (laughs) maybe, um, softball, maybe basketball. She is going to be nine and a half feet tall and figure skaters just aren't this big. I I mean, at nine years old, I was almost five feet tall. So like, but I didn't have like the mental attachment to it. I didn't put my value on it because I was so focused on other things, but you know, it became another trade-off for me. I mean, it became more like conquering the the, um, the the barrier in front of me. Like when I was in seventh grade, I would have to come home from school and get on the exercise bike and keep my RPMs up, and my mom wouldn't let a potato chip pass these lips. <laughs> so it just became and, – and that really didn't have anything to do to me. I, I, I couldn't help my genetics. I can't help that I'm tall and, you know, yeah. athletically built in a, in a sport full of pixies. But, you know, it's – and, and, and this dovetails into what I've been telling myself the last couple of years is that we, we, we get put in these cookie cutter narratives, either by our family of origin, in our own mind, a combination of both. And not only do you need to start talking to yourself like you're your, your own best friend, but would a man put up with this? That's what, like, would they, would somebody, okay, let's talk about, like, women our age on social media. Would women our age on social media call a man skinny fat and tear him apart? for the way he looks or call him thirsty or for any, would, would somebody talk to a man like that? I don't think so. No, I, I, I think a good example of that is how, <laughs> how women say like when a man gets old and gray, they look distinguished, but a woman, when a woman gets old and gray, she just looks old. Well, that's a double standard and we can't help it. Yeah. You know? Dried it's, out old husk. Yeah. Or like when you turn a certain age, you've got to cut your hair. It's just time. Yeah, like you're yeah, just trying too yeah. hard if you have long hair. And it's yeah. like, oh, okay. So you're going to put me out to pasture now. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And, you know, and, and you know, your podcast resonated with me so much because I'm in a very unique situation within my home life and everything. 
Um, my children don't live with me for various reasons, and I work. I travel a lot for work, and I'm not their primary caregiver. And I get railed for it. I mean, I go home to your kids. Eh, you know, I just get steamrolled for it. And it's a delicate situation, and I don't really owe anybody any explanations for it. I love my children. My children love me. I am doing something to secure their future because we don't know what that looks like. And it's just like, would somebody go after a man who worked out of town and they would be a hero? They right. would be a hero. Oh, thank you so much for sacrificing and providing for your family. Yeah, like if I were in the military, it would right. but because I'm in Atlanta and part of my job is going to events and, you know, being on location and traveling. It looks very glamorous. It's a grind, and I'm socking that. I have to put three kids through college in the matter of a handful of years, and I don't know what the future looks like. So it's like, but because I'm a woman, it's, you're a terrible mom. Go home to your kids. It's like, and do what? They're adolescents. <laughs> they don't want right. me around. I was just, yeah, they probably don't even want you so close. My teenager's like, can I just have money for my birthday? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's so funny. So I think that we have to start, you know, I always say that women are the worst misogynists, the mm-hmm. worst. And I think that, first of all, we need to look within and start being kind to ourselves, start talking to ourselves like our own best friends. Instead of being that witch in our head who's just browbeating ourselves day in, day out, day in, day out, it's like, maybe walk it back. Maybe be kind to you. Like, I actually just had, since the last time we talked, I kind of had like a big aha moment about turning 40 because I don't feel 40. I don't act 40, but I am 40. And, Mm -hmm. but you're, um, when I have girlfriends who do this too, you're you're measuring yourself against your 20 year old self. And there's no way you're getting back. There's no way that body's coming back. (laughs) There's no way any of that is coming back. And really, and, and, um, you know, wanting to be a lifestyle blogger and an influencer. And it's like, well, I've aged out. I just have, Mm -hmm. you know, so we pivot to something else. So now it's really kind of focusing on the writing, the um, podcast, you know, doing something different and pivoting into a, um, a genesis of a new growth somewhere else. Because even though I feel 25, Mm-hmm. Hamming it up for the gram at twenty at forty is really kind of tragic. <laughs> well, and I think that brings up a good point that women again we get so set on our goals, which is fantastic. I'm not saying anything bad against goals. No, you should have, goals, um, but you shouldn't be married to them. Exactly, especially because depending on your quote quote season of life or what's going on in your life. You have to learn to to give yourself grace in those yes. goals and and learn that um, everything changes. Everything's fluid. Nothing's going to stay the same, and it shouldn't. You should continue to grow as a person. You should continue to evolve as a person. You, as a 40-year-old, shouldn't want your body to look like a 20-year-old because that is so unhealthy in so many ways. And I think we just – we need to start – loving and accepting who we are every single day, despite our decisions from yesterday, despite what we hope to accomplish today or tomorrow, we need to learn to just say, but you know what? I, at my core, am just 
very content with who I am. And I used to think that the word content was actually a bad thing. It's Um, the best thing because, and to your point, I think that these values get out of control because we're chasing happiness. We think that the brass ring is going to be that endless stream of kittens and rainbows and we're going to have it figured out. And I think a couple years ago, I got comfortable with the idea that happiness is a misnomer. It really doesn't exist. You have happiness is a moment. It is not a state uh-huh. of mind. Being content is a state of mind. It, it, I'm yes. sorry. Being content is a season of life. Like um, when we first started working on our online platforms, obsessed with clicks, clicks and money and conversions and sponsorships and popularity. And chasing, 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 because we thought if we got 10,000 followers, we'd be, you know, we'd make it or, you know, what, and then your value system changes. It's like, and then you get picked apart because you only get so many listeners and you have only this, but just like, I'm so content. I'm so passionate without the pressure on me. I mean, imagine in this season of life, you don't have the pressure on you. I may yeah. not be the best or the most popular or whatever because that's not my value system anymore. I literally get to drive my own ship wherever I want. You know? Yeah, and totally. I- and I think I love that you say that how much our values have shifted because we live in, in today's society with everything revolving around how many likes or how many comments you get on everything or how many followers you have. We find validity in that, but that's not okay. It was for my podcast, for example, um, I had a business mentor that really, really wanted me to be among the top podcasts on iTunes. Here's how you do it. And I just didn't really care to. And so I just didn't even try. I was, I was content. Like, just with my few listeners, even if five people listen, listen consistently, as long as what I'm saying resonates with them, then I'm more than happy to share whatever I can to help uplift these people. I don't need thousands and (laughs) millions of followers on Instagram. Like I think what's so sad, what makes me so sad for people, again, women today is like, we try to compare ourselves to the unattainable that we see on social media, but like take a Kardashian, for example, no one in their right freaking mind would truly want to be a Kardashian because no one would want to constantly be photographed from every angle and have to fix their hair every day, for example, or wonder, you know, Oh, she, she did gain the two extra pounds of water weight. Is she pregnant? Who's she pregnant by? You know, security detail, things like that. Who's sleeping with who in the Kardashian family? Ridiculous stuff. That's not anyone's business. But then for some reason, like that's what we're trying to chase after because that's the barometer for success. Yeah. These, and I, and that is so ingrained in the culture, so to speak, that it's hard for us to kind of not second guess ourselves and like, this is my path. This is what fulfills me. This is because you're always going to have one person going, wow, you know, you're not this on iTunes and you're not that. And so you kind of take it personally. You're like, it it steals some of your value from you, but you're like, no, wait a minute. I don't answer to anyone. I don't have sponsors. So I don't have to, you know, worry about getting the read done, doing the discount code, right. Watching what I say, having this, that it is, it's a trade-off, and people don't understand that because I've been in the upper echelon of blogging and podcasting, and you—it's—it's a—it's you have to be the CEO of your own. It's a lot more work than people think, and sure. and then because 
people are, are so accessible now on the internet. You have everybody having an opinion about something and it becomes very invasive. And it's like, yeah, I'm like middle of the pack now, but I don't have to worry about anything. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I would rather be content being middle of the pack than discontent, always striving to be better and feel like I'm failing all the time. Because now where I am, I'm like, yep, screw that up. But that's okay. Try again tomorrow. Right. And not, and, and keeping your barometer for success internal. I think we give it away way too much. Uh-huh. I think we give people access to our internal barometer more than any, and that's not just us because we put ourselves out there. I mean, like anybody on a day-to-day basis, letting your family, it doesn't matter what anyone thinks. I always say, if you don't have a key to my house and you don't pay my bills, you really have no say in anything, or you don't really get to have, I mean, you get to have an opinion, but you don't really get to have any input. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) And that comes from a place of like, you have to be really strong to own that. And I think that rather than chasing something, we need to kind of change the conversation and start and sort of like own where we really want to be. Because a lot of people can't even define where they want to be in life. They're just busy chasing. They think like, oh, if I get to this ideal weight or I have this house at this address and this car and I have if I have this, 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 all of this external stuff I'm pulling into me that's going to be the magic bullet. And it's really just like, no, you need to look within and be like, okay, where do I want to be? Like, what do I want to do? If I got to do whatever I wanted day in and day out, what would that look like? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Or am I rambling? Oh, yeah, no, no, I love it. The way I always say it is like, people are so busy looking to the left and looking to the right that they can't even focus on where they're supposed to go. Um, another way that I've heard it is that people are so busy trying to climb the ladder that once they reach the top, they realize that it was against the wrong wall the whole time. And people who think that they need, you know, this amazing house in Manhattan with this multi-billion dollar industry or what, whatever they're striving for, sometimes those people, oftentimes I would say those people are the the saddest, most depressed people. And that's why suicides um, among celebrities are actually, are, they're so shocking because we think, oh my gosh, this person has it all. What could they have possibly needed? Well, who knows? I mean, I don't, I don't want to speculate because that's totally unfair, but obviously worldly things, earthly things were not making them happy, weren't making them content. There was something that was just continuing to destroy them on the inside that Right. Had just you learned can only the... reach and grab so long before you become yeah. completely exhausted and obliterated. And then uh-huh. you have, you feel like there's nowhere else to go. And so, and even for me, I mean, there are times that I get called out and I'm just like, yeah, I am kind of a, a failure. I could do kind of suck at life. You know, like I only have a condo and a Camry and I'm like a nobody writer, but it's like, but, and, and I, and I did an Instagram post, um, last Friday, I want to believe I was out skating. Again, I still figure skate. I roller figure skate that nobody's ever heard of. I ice figure. It's my passion. I love it. It's one of the few things I know how to do. I don't care if it looks stupid to anybody else. I'm probably the only person in this town that can roller figure skate. It's awesome, by the way. I love watching your videos. But anyway, I posted it. I got to, I went, um, early in the morning to the outdoor facility right around the corner from my house. And it was just beautiful. Like the sun was coming up over the trees. It was quiet. The birds were chirping. And I just had like this moment of gratitude that kind of took my breath away. It was like, 
I get to do this. I'm not rich. I'm not the most beautiful, you know, whatever, whatever. I'm not checking the boxes that is that are being put on me as their barometer of how successful I am. You have to wake up on a Friday morning and go skate and then go do whatever I want with the rest of my day. I don't have to punch a clock. I don't have to answer to anyone. I just kind of get to, you know, futz around. Uh-huh. Okay. I'll take it for as long, yes. you know, and it's just like I get to experience so many cool things that way that those experiences I'm taking with me into the hereafter. I'm not taking a Gucci watch with me to the hereafter. Yeah, yeah, totally. I'm not taking a, a, an address with me to the hereafter. I'm not taking a Range Rover with me to the hereafter. But I'm going to go have so much fun, you know, in the it, living and huh? working. And it it's just such a moment where you get to kind of, like, see what's important and have tremendous gratitude for it. I don't think people really have a lot of gratitude for whatever station they are in life. Right. And I think one of the realizations I came to a couple weeks ago, actually, um, I was researching, I've always been fascinated with nutrition (laughs) because of my diet culture background. So I was researching one of the latest trends and, um, put a solid 24 hours into, to reading and researching and seeing what all this, the, this scientific testing and stuff like that. And then I just like looked up from my computer and thought, I've wasted an entire day of my life. I've been like volunteering somewhere. Or I could have been, I don't know, on a, a coffee date with a friend catching up. Or I could have, you know, called a friend on the phone and, and caught up, or whatever the case may be. I think what we get so caught up in is it, we don't mean to, but they're all first world problems. Mm-hmm. Worrying about your Gucci watch. That's a first world problem. Worrying about what my macros are going to be and how I'm going to get to this many calories. That's, that's first world problems. I, I grew up in the church. And so I always heard people coming back from mission trips to third world countries. And they would say things like these people had nothing and yet they were so happy. Mm-hmm. How could they have nothing? And yet they're so happy probably because they weren't bogged down with a whole bunch of crap because they learned to be content with who they are what they have, which is not a lot, and they're grateful for what they do have. Whereas we live in a culture of, I need this, I need this, I need this, more, 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 more. more, more." And it's disgusting, and that's all we are absolutely consumed with, and that's why we feel like we will never be good enough, because we will never have enough, because we'll just continue chasing this, all of this emptiness. Right. And it becomes clutter in your home, clutter in your heart, clutter in your mind. And it is such a mindset to pivot, because... The hive is there, and it's hard to pivot and, and not get talked out of it because, you know, you can – and it's a maturity thing too, I think. I think yeah. that it, when you become a little bit more self-aware – and a lot of times it's because you've been through something, and uh-huh. it, it lends perspective. Like I went through a huge life change four years ago, and it made what I was doing then seem – dumb to me now what I was doing I was writing entertainment I had the entertain I had the wine and test podcast it was very fast it was fun but the perspective changed dramatically when my life changed it didn't mm-hmm. seem it it was no longer fun for me to do that now four years later I'm doing something completely different but that mindset is still there and I think we talked about pivoting away from that mindset that's so ingrained of where you need to be. And, you know, I went to uh, South by Southwest a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. and being around people like creatives that are in the field I'm in now, nobody's doing it for the gram. Right? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and it's, 
it's really, I, I think, like, how do you think, how do you feel about, you know, what does it take to step out of those old consciousness, that those old ideals, those old value systems and pivot to something else? I mean, it's scary, but like, what do you think about First of all, I think you have to first analyze what was actually projected on you versus what you know to be true about yourself. Right. So literally start from nothing. Like you are absolutely nothing. But what do you know is true? Well, for me, I'm a female. I'm 30 years old. I have long, dark hair that that is my God-given hair color. I mean, start from the very, very basics. What do you know to be true? And then what do you feel like has been projected on you? And why do you think you have continued to what I call listen to that broken record that's constantly playing in the back? Why are you listening to it? Chances are it's because you have been indoctrinated in it. You've been brainwashed into thinking this and it's hard to, yeah, it's, it's hard to shift away from that, but it's the most empowering thing when you say, but I no longer have to be that person. Um, on, on one of my podcasts, I interviewed someone and he's to do some hypnotherapy sessions. And the doctor who did them said that his theory was that everyone is actually hypnotized, which sounds really bizarre, but it makes a lot of sense that we're hypnotized into believing what the world says that we are. Like I said, like those projections from other people that we just take on as our own. And so when you remove that and you start to say, you know, but I don't actually want to be in this relationship anymore because I know it's not healthy for me. I don't have to stay married to this person because society says I should, or I no longer have to stay in this role as fill in the blank because that's what I'm expected to do. I no longer have to, what, whatever you feel like is being projected onto you, there's such freedom in saying, but I don't have to anymore. And so that's what I would just encourage people to do is from the very basics of everything that you know, it can be kind of scary and it's, it's a process for sure, but it's the most liberating process because when you come out on the other end, you know that you are fully you and that you are content with who you are and that if you aren't content, then you have the power and you have the ability to change it into who you want to be. Like no longer do projections or this broken record of your past have to determine where you're going next, that you are in charge of your next step of your next goal. Yeah, absolutely. And also looking within as far as what you're projecting out into the world, there are some, you know, the comparison culture you were just talking about, what's making you feel bad? What Uh are you drawn to that is not good for you like a moth to a flame? You know, what, what, where, where are you getting your validation from in a negative way? Um, it can be hate reading things, hate following things. I don't understand that for one, but I know it's a thing. Um, it can be, you know, what do you pick apart in other people? Um, I I was reading, I read daily meditations from this book called the daily stoic every day. It's, it's based in the philosophy of stoicism from ancient times. And it's, and there was a, I posted on Instagram, there was, a, there was a, um, a snippet from it that said that people who criticize other people are doing so because they can't stand to see people uh, actualized in their own lives. They can't, uh-huh. you know, living their best life to keep it super simple. Uh-huh. So where, when do we do that? When do we pick apart other people? And what is that saying about us? And kind of like, I think the other half of that is like, okay, well, what are we searching for to kind of fill that void? 
and looking at it and and understanding it and finding ways around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like it just goes with the comparison game that, that we're taught from a very young age. Even my son being three years old, people will say, what's your favorite toy? Why is that your favorite toy? Okay, but that's not fair. Can the kid not have two favorite toys or two toys that he likes the most? I mean, for different reasons? Or who's your best friend? Why are they your best friend? Why can't this other one be your best friend? That's so stupid. Like, we are taught to compare in every aspect of life. And so when... I think when it comes to the comparison game, it's primarily rooted in hurt or insecurity um, that we try to tear other people down as a projection of how we feel about ourselves in a certain area. Really, when we do that, it says more about us than it does about that other person. Like identifying it and just saying, okay, well, if I'm criticizing the way this person's living their life or the way they look or whatever looking within, okay, what does this say about me? Now, I'm talking about the things that take up 65% of your brain and really hold you back. Totally. It's, to me, when I start to realize it is when I ask myself, is this starting to hurt me mentally, emotionally, or physically? And if it is, why is it doing that? Probably because I'm insecure for whatever reason. Right. And we all have our insecurities about certain things. I had a fascinating conversation with a friend on Friday, um, And he, and it's important to listen to, because we have blind spots, um, there, and we can't help it. You can have it with a relationship. You can have it with a job. You're, you can be too close to something and it's a blind spot. You just don't see it. In my first, in my last marriage, my ex-husband was a walking red flag and there were so many red flags, but I was too close you know, I only saw the good. I only projected the good. I could not get perspective from it. Mm-hmm. And we have that at all times. There's always something we're too close to and cannot get perspective. And where we think it's actually a life preserver, it's holding us back. And I had a fascinating conversation with a friend on Friday night where he's like telling me about a certain situation and he, and it's something I'm kind of clinging to as a life raft as far as creatively with, you know, working and everything. And he's like, it's taking up 65% of your brain. And that's toxic. That's not healthy. What you think Mm -hmm. is helping you is actually holding you back. And oh my goodness, Chris, in my life, I was mind blown. I mean, that was such a profound thing. And so, and I listened to him and I was like, and thinking about it all weekend, I was like, oh my gosh, here's something that you're clinging to as a life preserver and you think it's helping you, but it's actually holding you back. And Uh I think a lot of the times when we do project those bad feelings onto people, places, and things in order to make ourselves feel better and kind of of like a self-soothing thing, it's the thumb-sucking of our psyche. Uh So we we keep revisiting it because it validates where we are in our lives instead of making us grow. And the things that we focus on, that internal dialogue, whether put there by someone else or put there by ourselves when we aren't treating ourselves kind and with grace – Mm-hmm. It takes up 65% of our brain and it actually holds us back. Mm-hmm. And then think about what else you could do, what else you could accomplish by shifting that 65% and using it elsewhere. Letting it go. And I yeah. think people want to conquer everything in their lives and there are just some things you cannot win. 
No. And it's sometimes honestly not even worth trying. No. Depends on what it is. But we're so conditioned, especially women, we're so conditioned to win, to conquer, to be all things to all people. And it's hard to step back and be like, you know what? This, this isn't serving any purpose in my life. It's not serving me. It's like a rocking chair. It's keeping me busy, but it's not really getting me anywhere. Yeah, and, totally. and giving yourself permission to let it go. And uh-huh. then turn down the volume on your internal noise and the external noise. Because people are not going to like it. And you are going to have self-doubt about it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if we could just learn to be content with who we are and where we are, it that takes a lot of the pressure away. Yeah, because when you think about it, like we started the show, nobody thinks about us more than we think about us. Totally. I adore you, but I'm really not thinking about you more than a second. <laughs> I, know, yeah. I know. And I think, honestly, I think that may be one of the reasons why we feel like we have to be present on social media is because we have this fear of being forgotten. I know I do for sure. That's not why I'm on social media because I'm really not on that often. You know, I just have this fear of being forgotten and I don't, I I feel like if I have it, then other people may too. They just don't recognize it. So I always try to reach out with that, like 65% of my brain where I, you know, where I want to research the latest diet trends. I think, how can I use this in a productive way? Yeah, definitely. Like nobody, I think at the end of the day, we just need to live our own truth and our best life and understand that we're okay the way we are and the way our life is set up and, and look within and externally and what we're surrounding ourselves with and, this has been so much fun. I have loved talking to you so much. I hope we, you, yeah, I hope we, we can do this, this again. Uh, like, yeah, all the time. Yes. All day. Yes. Come we'll on. have to have a standing date. Y'all, we seriously could talk for hours, and we're even planning another upcoming podcast episode for you guys soon. But I just love chatting with her. She has accomplished so much, and she has been through so much. And I just love that she's not afraid to shift where her life is directing her. It's a really tough process to stop identifying with your plan or your goals to learn how to genuinely be content with yourself. But it's so, so worth it when you reach that finish line. Because once you get there, once you get to that place of contentment, the dark places or unexpected life twists and turns, they don't seem as scary because... You know who you are no matter what situation you're in. Something I've learned is that contentment will not be found in a self-help book. There is a time and a mindset for self-help books, but not when you're learning about contentment. If smart goals don't make you happy, then stop doing them. There's no pressure from anyone to stay in a cycle that's ultimately making you unhappy. If you are unhappy, you have every right and all of the power to change it. Learn to love yourself and to give yourself grace and you will learn to be beyond happy with who you are in this present moment. Learn to be content with who you are right now, as hard as that can be. This reminds me of my all-time favorite Bible verse, which is Hebrews 12. It says, I'm paraphrasing here, but it says, throw off everything that hinders and run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. If you're getting bogged down in clutter, literally or (laughs) metaphorically, if it's hindering you from accomplishing your purpose, throw it off. 
If someone's projections that you've taken on as your own are keeping you from accomplishing what you truly want to be happy, then throw it off. Figure out who you are, who you are as a person, who you were designed to be. Figure out that person and then strive after the goals that truly make you happy, not just because the person to your right or to your left are going after that goal, but who you want to be and what you want to accomplish with your life. So with that being said, I have a really, really exciting announcement in my next episode, as well as a topic that is crucial for future episodes. So you do not want to miss it, you guys. Make sure you subscribe to the show so it downloads to your phone next month. You guys know I love you, I adore you, and I want to support you in every way that I can. And I am just so excited that we are on this journey together because you encourage me and inspire me, and I just hope that I do the same for you. Throw off everything that's hindering you and run with perseverance the race set out for you. Until next time, just remember you are loved, you are not alone, and only you can live your purpose. Thank you.